0: Get online and order yours at getdeadly.com. It's coffee so good, Ah! it's scary. Greetings and welcome once again to another episode of the Retro Reductible Cephala Podcast. That's the only show for those of you not paying attention or paying attention, I don't know, uh, that celebrates all the things that made Growing Up awesome. I am your host of the evening, my name is Parasite Steve. And uh, I am I am cohortless tonight. Uh, we are recording on a weird day, and, and 8-Bit Alchemy and Nintendo are just... Uh, you know what they are? They're busy with life. They have lives. Um, and you know what? I'm not jealous. It's fine. You know, it's completely fine. Uh, I, I don't hold it against them at all for having cool lives that they go to um outside of podcasts, but hey you know what it's all right you know I'm, I'm not too sad about it because tonight um is another episode of our interview series for those of you uh, paying attention and uh, tonight locked in the brig we have an absolute monster of a guest hey he's a super nice guy a gifted writer of both horror and humor of prose funny books even a few screenplays and if that's not cool enough he also happens to be the spawn One of the most celebrated and talented genre writers on the planet. Tonight, in the bridge, we got Keith Lansdale. How's it going, man? It's going all right. It's going all right. (laughs) Well, you know, first of all, before we get into it, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show. I know uh, know you're not feeling the best. I got to say, I feel a little bad locking you down there in that cold, dark (laughs) cell. Uh, I... I I
1: appreciate the uh, invitation, even if it might be the
0: circumstances.
1: But uh, what I will say for everybody who's on the outside listening in, um, I- I'm, I've got a little bit of the laryngitis, so I'm on the I'm on the tail end of it. So uh, apologies for the weakness of my voice. But let's just pretend I'm doing a Batman
0: impression for the entirety of it. I think I think it's a better Batman than Bale did. Honestly, fair. it's more convincing. Yeah. It's more no, natural. That's that's it's fair. it's less forced. but just in case you know i didn't leave any lights on down there in the brig uh, you know i did i did put out a thermos full of chicken soup so if you need it just just help yourself
1: he's a good man he's a good man he's always thinking about uh
0: so tonight uh you know we're here to talk about all your fine good works that you have and you've done a lot of stuff you've done pretty much you've done a little bit in a lot of different categories you've written like i said in the intro you've written books you've written comics screenplays uh i know you're looking into doing more of it all um so the two of us started talking because i actually purchased a copy of a book you wrote with your dad called big lizard which i which i do i do have here in my hands not that the the listening audience can tell because this is an audio only podcast tonight but uh you know this this book um this was a hell of a, a, fun book. Uh, I actually did a, a little bit of a spotlight on this on one of our previous episodes. We do sometimes a little, just, just m- minor little, um, kind of spotlights on books. Sometimes I do a thing called the bookshelf of the damned once in a while. And I, uh, I spotlight that, you know, and I said, then, what I'll say now, and you know, Hey, Keith wrote, you wrote a really fun book. I definitely <laughs> recommend people checking it out. So, um, you want to tell us a little bit about this, uh, this this crazy thing that you? Yeah, are- for sure. Um, this crazy thing is definitely accurate.
1: Just as you were saying, I, I, I have done a little bit of a lot. That's definitely if I had a business card, that's what it would probably say on it. Um, yeah, the um, the big lizard itself started kind of as a parody of superhero type stories. This was uh, originally something that we were approached by. A, a, I'm I'm not going to worry about it, but um, they came in and they said, hey, we think it'd be fun to have a, a bunch of little stories of, of these superheroes that you all come up with. And uh, I'd worked with him on a, a script that, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know whatever's going to happen with it. it. It was it was something that I helped him rewrite and then it just kind of fell off. But he and I, he, he liked working with me so much that whenever he had this project pop up, he reached out and was like, hey, what would you think of you and your dad doing this kind of parody of a Superhero, and we thought, yeah, sure, that'd be fun. And they said, okay. Well, we just need, and I don't remember what the original request was, but it was something fairly short, like ten thousand words or something like that. And um, we were like, yeah, sure. And then so dad and I started kind of kicking around ideas, and then both, you know, I mean, as you've mentioned, my dad is quite the powerhouse. But um, sure is, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sitting around and, and creating with dad, uh, which which I'm lucky enough I get to do fairly often, but. Um, before we knew it, um, we looked up and we'd written a whole book, and yeah. <laughs> uh, we were like, oh, Oops. That, was not, that was not on purpose, but uh, we loved it so much that we, we told him, we were like, look, we loved the idea, that's why we were here, but we just can't justify giving you an entire novel <laughs> for what yeah. we originally did. Uh, so we just decided to, to go ahead and publish it. But uh, yeah, it, it's, it's a parody of superhero type stuff, but it's also, it's, it's a serious superhero thing as well. Um, just to give a kind of an idea, a, a peek into the type of, of humor that is Big Lizard. Um, one of my favorite running jokes in the whole thing is he has this idea that he wants to get some superhero type name you know, moniker tied yes. to him, yeah. and he's got things like Sergeant Scales. Uh, but people just keep calling him that big lizard, so he finally <laughs> just leans into it because, um, you know, he's not going to win that argument,
0: right? And you know, it's funny that re- you know, I loved that, and that reminded me a lot of what they did with the uh, the Shazam movie. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you saw that, I did, and I loved it. Yeah, and it was, uh, in that case, it was obviously for a very different reason they were dodging his real original name which is of course Captain Marvel
1: Marvel yeah we
0: already have a Captain Marvel and uh Zach (laughs) Levi does not look like Brie Larson no Um,
1: no no he does not
0: very different um so (laughs) yeah so they were kind of just dodging that and they're like oh Sparkle Mm -hmm. Fingers or whatever uh funny stuff but yeah no that that was that was great and uh you know it's funny that you know you you call it a parody and uh I'm I just, I just adore parodies so much. I'm just mm-hmm. such a fan of like the Mel Brooks and, right, you know, stuff, right. <laughs> you know, and, uh, and uh, we just had uh, Larry Blamire on, we just uh, had a great conversation. Uh, our last break was talking to him and he's, he's the guy behind Lost Skeleton of Cadaver, which is just, I, in my mind, one of the great parodies of the last uh, 50 years, but um, the, this book reading it, I didn't really feel like it was a parody. I just, I just read it as legitimate because well, I, mean, I that's that's i think
1: that's a lot of good parodies if you i mean mel brooks as you brought up is a prime example of that those movies obviously if you watch something like star wars and then turn around and watch you know Spaceballs, you can tell it's an obvious joke but if mm. you've never seen star wars you still could appreciate Spaceballs balls you for could. what it is you are and absolutely that's, and that's right. what it is if you don't know it's a parody you don't realize it sometimes but it's not, right. you know, it's not like a one-for-one one shot of making fun of anything specific. It's just kind of a a humorous look at that genre in yeah. itself. Um, you know, that genre has started to realize that it it has a lot of legs in the humor world, anyways. Yeah, um, you know what was that that the Thor movie that came out that was Ragnarok. Uh, Ragnarok, yeah. I mean yeah. that that was that was their that was their first, I think, real realization that they were like, you know what, people like funny superheroes, yeah. and so I think that that really, um, I think that really is a prime example of that sort of thing. But yeah, I mean, it was a it was a parody, but it, it really stands alone. It's, it does. It, it is a superhero with a sense of humor type story. So.
0: Right, and and I mean that's you know it's it's you bring up you bring up Marvel, and I think the big difference uh, to me has always been with the movies. Anyway, has been that DC movies have been uh, very self serious. Oh, yeah, Mar- and Marvel, uh, you know, people always say dark gritty, but I think self serious is really yeah. really the thing. But it's uh, like I mean- they. <laughs> very very take themselves very yeah. seriously marvel it just is. sort of doesn't you know
1: and, that, and that's and that's and that's one of the best things about this for I mean, I'm, I'm a big superhero fan and you know dad he loves dc but I've, I've been telling him that's the biggest problem is that they just don't understand that people know all the all the tropes people know all the um you know all the backstories everybody every origin has been done to death at this point oh yeah you don't enjoy the meta or the humor behind it then it just becomes another retelling of the exact same story Mm -hmm. but you know the thing is is that big lizard is a very you can tell it's a parody as soon as you actually start saying some of the stuff out loud i mean the man's name (laughs) is big lizard his arch nemesis is big big chicken Chicken. yeah (laughs) I mean yeah. at the same time. But it's but it is very it's very serious on how yeah, big chicken's not a not a happy guy, you know.
0: He's, he's not he's got problems. He's, he's got not, real issues. He th- well he you know he thinks he's got it all figured out at the beginning and then uh <laughs> yeah. suddenly suddenly he's a chicken. So uh yeah. Yeah. You know, you new lease on life. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I hate when that happens. Uh yeah, good stuff. I I mean I think I think you know, uh Hellboy is another one that came to mind. Oh, yeah. Which yeah. which you know is uh it's interesting, too, because I, this guy that you have uh, doing the artwork, this guy, Jacques. Jacques is, it, yeah. is it Jacques or Jacques? I don't know it, how to say is it.
1: Jacques, as far as I know, I have to be honest, I've never had a spoken conversation with Jacques. Okay. Uh, but I have worked with him on the Red Range comic. Uh, I worked with him on, um, what else did I work with him on? Um, well, of course, Big Lizard. But there was also, there's a, a story that doesn't exist anywhere in the universe yet. Um, so be you know, be on the lookout because Jacques and I actually talked today, uh, a little bit funny enough, uh, but we just Facebook message back and forth, but, um, we have this story that I've got this really strange sci-fi idea called my little eye. And if you've ever seen my, um, Instagram, you can see there's a cover for it and it doesn't exist because the, we, we've set it together to pitch it. But then that was right around the time that COVID was exploding. And so it was kind of the people we were pitching it to, uh, all the funds kind of disappeared on us. Uh, so we had this very strange, it's actually based on some very real events that happened, but then dialed up to 11 and crazy. Um, the, I, don't, I mean, I guess this, this isn't going to be visual in any sort of way. It doesn't do me any good. Oh yeah, me, I'm, I'm looking just, at it now.
0: We can post it.
1: Well, I'll okay, definitely okay, post good. it afterwards, yeah. Yeah, you can... Can you see the the my little eye with the uh, the weird octopus with the yeah octopus with the guy with the top hat, hat. yep <laughs> yeah and so yeah um there's there's uh, um the, the little book that the guy's holding in the bottom left yeah that's that's all all the stuff with the book and everything is true but then of course the the myth and the crazy that's that's where I came in that's but, the, um, that's the fun that's the yeah fun right so there. either way I'd like to think that at some point that will happen um because Jacques and I, we've said, well, we'll we're, we've given enough time because we, we set this up right before COVID really happened. And um, that was the thing is that he'd done that beautiful cover. I loved it. It was an idea of mine. And I was like, you know, if it never gets made, I don't want it to just disappear. So I actually have it hanging up here in my office. Um, but it, it may never see the light of day. But I, I just, I think it's fantastic. And uh, yeah, if I'm lucky enough to get to, to tell that story, yeah, oh man, it's it's a doozy. It's it's one that I'm very proud of.
0: Awesome, yeah, no, it's uh, it's it's an awesome cover. It's very very interesting. I'm I'm totally in. I mean, it you know that Victorian <laughs> that Victorian sort of you know <laughs> weird science stuff. Yeah. Again, I'm getting a I'm getting a MacMyniola vibe from this. Yeah, it's, it's,
1: got, uh, it's got some steampunk weirdness. It's got sure some weird sci fi elements. It's got Different dimensions. It's got, like I said, there's some real stuff that's tied into it. Um, it's got tentacles.
0: That, I mean, you got tentacles. What else do you need? I mean, you don't need much. <laughs> not much. Maybe some chicken soup. That's uh, right. That's, that's right. it. Um, yeah. No, this is great. Yeah, but I was going to say, like, you know, he he has this very uh, specifically Mike Mignola sensibility with his with his darks and lights, his shadows. Mm-hmm. He really uh, has a, a good sense in the same sort of way where he's like really finding where the perfect black shadows are with all of his Mm -hmm. pictures but uh so so just to be clear so big lizard is a novel as you said you started out with your ten thousand word goal and then you blew it out of the water (laughs) and uh so it is a novel but it um it does have a decent amount of of illustrations uh in there it's got a just a phenomenal cover great just i mean the just just the inside artwork of the uh the inside cover is just, and you had posted this, yeah. uh, actually. And, uh, this is what made me, uh, message you and say, Oh, oh <laughs> got, got any left of that. And you're like, right, right, right. right, uh, cause it's just really fun. It's just a big lizard guy fighting a giant chicken. And, <laughs> and I'm like, you know, you know, I mean, this is, everybody knows this about me. I'm, I'm all about the monsters. That's all I care about for the most part. You know, I just want the monsters. Uh, but you know, when there's a good story, uh, As well. It's, it's even better. So anyway, yeah. Great time. Really fun book. Very fast read. Um, I, I found it to be just super fun all the way through Um, very light, but you know, you love, you love the main character. He's, he's definitely a down and out loser who's trying his best. (laughs) And uh, I think that uh, where you said parody, the the biggest like note of parody that I get is what if Spider-Man got bit by the spider, but the result wasn't sexy. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah yeah no that that's definitely because because there are it's very similar to so like a uh, a spider-man and the hulk almost kind yeah of, kind of together and, For, and oh so, right yeah yeah so yeah it, i mean it, it wasn't like we we were using that as a guide or anything but looking back i can definitely say i can tell where i borrowed some of that idea from but <laughs>
0: For sure. For sure. Uh, and no, it's, and it's,
1: I'm lucky enough I got to send you a copy and yeah. uh, uh, it, you, you told me it had a surprise. And it, it, it sure and did. You, you know,
0: yeah, it was It really, you know, Hey man, you, you endeared yourself to me so, so much like, so you were doing this to everybody at the time. Uh, mm-hmm. Cause you know, let's, let's give the full story. You had these copies because of canceled uh, cons. Yeah. And you know, I'm an author as well. And uh, you know, I've, I, I, I hear you, man. Uh, yeah. it, it, 2020 was just, <laughs> yeah. it was just a desert of, of nothing. It was awful yeah. for everybody. But yeah. Uh, and, you know, some of us had planned to go to shows and, you know, we have to get copies of our books in that we're going to hopefully hawk.
1: Right, and, right.
0: and then you have them just kind of laying around the house. So you kind of were like, oh, if anybody's interested, but uh, you, you included a little a picture of a photo of yourself holding not just the book, but the actual book that you signed for me. And I yeah. saw that you did that for everybody. And, dude, that's just that's just cool as hell. I mean, that's yeah, a really I mean, personal, cool touch. What made me- yeah,
1: it, it was one of those things. That, and that is, I mean, I've, I've grown up going to conventions and um, there's there's something special about being able to actually meet some of these people and, and, you know, actually signing it in person. Yeah. Um, and, and as much as I, I loved selling these books because you know, I'm a, I am a fan of getting paid, um, but it, it kind of <laughs> felt like it didn't have that personal touch that it should have had that, you know, I mean, this is literally my first book release and I'm sitting on copies that I can't do anything with that uh. are just waiting down my, my bookshelf. So um, when I got ready to sell them, I was like, you know, I do want to sell them, but I don't, I, I want to have something more than just, just a book sold. I want to have something that's kind of memorable with it for anybody that was nice enough to buy a copy. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I took the time to sign each one. Uh, my fiance was, was sweet enough to humor me where she took a picture of me holding each individual book. Um, uh, <laughs> and, uh, I, I made sure coordinate them all together for sending them out, but
0: <laughs> love it. Uh Yeah, man. I mean, it's really cool. And, and you know, I mean, that, that is exactly, you just hit the nail on the head for me. Like in, in general, I always loved it as a fan when somebody you meet or, you know, whatever, in this case online is doing just a, just a little something extra. And it just, it makes you feel so extra good about the purchase that you're you're helping them like, not just love the product, but kind of like you're selling yourself. You're like, Uh, I'm super cool. Sort of a thing. And (laughs) as a, as a fan uh, you know, I, I had this experience with uh, at a, at a convention, it was at a comic con years ago and I met, I got to meet Joe Hill Mm -hmm. and uh, Gabriel Rodriguez. Mm -hmm. And uh, obviously they, you know, everybody knows Joe Hill, but lock and key is the the pairing, the original pairing of those two. And so I, you know, I had brought my lock and keys and, uh, and they signed them all and it was great. It was super awesome. But then there was the guy next door and he was the artist for uh, the, the comic spinoff of uh, Joe Hill's Nosferatu, which was just Wraith. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I cannot remember the guy's name, but uh, he was incredibly nice, really good artist and he actually took the time to draw a little picture of the book's villain, Charlie Manx, mm. in there. And there was something about, about that that really just got me. And I was like, man, like I understand that he didn't just do this for me. He's probably doing this for everyone, but it makes you feel like so special. And like the, the person is just, uh, is, is, I don't know, he just went next level. So, so for me personally, I always I always do a sketch. In person uh or if people buy from me online directly i'll always sign up but i always do uh, a little sketch because i'm an artist too so it's it's fun for me and and the the reaction is is just from the other side of the table it's like people i'll spend you know two minutes and the other person is just like so freaking happy you know it's (laughs) it's so awesome so i a hundred percent like appreciate what you did and understand why you did it like it's just it's just a cool little touch so anyway well it's one of those things that I mean I'm in a I'm in a very
1: you know unique spot I mean I've grown up at conventions and things like that because of my dad I mean way before I ever put pen to paper I've, I've grown up around all these artists and writers and everything like that so I know when fans come up how like exciting that is. Yeah. Because I've been that fan. I've, 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 I've had that special moment where and we, we can we can work into talking about Bruce Campbell and things like that because that's always been absolutely this, this is, that's been my that was my like big fan moment was meeting Bruce Campbell. Yeah, I posted um,
0: I posted that great recent picture of you and yeah, Bruce just yeah. today. So
1: awesome. the uh, uh yeah I saw that with the comment and, yeah. and about my my beautiful hair which by the way looks a little stringy right now. So, so
0: how do how so how do you keep it so uh so silky and smooth though?
1: <laughs> because I'm a bald guy,
0: I need uh, to know. Yeah, um you
1: know th- th- this has to do with that uh, um from from Big Lizard, this has to do with that blood sacrifice situation. Oh, the, oh it's a blood yeah, sacrifice yeah. situation. them <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. no all uh, Hint, hint. we right, right. no no but, but yeah, so it's kind of one of those things where I've I've been I've seen many fans that come up and, and meet Dad, meet some of these other people, and I've been a fan forever. So I know how special that is because there's there's some people that you meet, and, and I'm not going to say any names or whatever, but they they act like it's such an inconvenience. Sure. To be, you know, like invited to these sure. things and stuff yeah. like that. And I always, and, and Dad, you know, he, in his infinite wisdom and just being the wonderful person that he is, he has always said, "It doesn't matter who you think you are; you are nobody without these people." And he said, "If you, if if you ever want to have any sort of like, you know, a uh, uh, career, he said, you need to realize that these are the people that are letting you have it." He said, so you need to remember that. He said, there's, it doesn't matter if they want to talk to him about whatever he's going to spend the time because he looks at it as they took the time to bring him into their life. So he is more than willing to bring somebody into his. And I've always loved and respected that about him. So when I got the chance to be on that side, I was like, yeah, I, I, I gotta, I gotta keep that up. I got to remember that all the time because, you know, it's really easy to get jaded in in some of this sort of world because i see it happen and i i i just refuse i just i am i am just pleased as punch that anybody gives two dams about anything i put ever on anything
0: (laughs) wow man that's that's so cool you guys are you guys are you guys are the coolest (laughs) so um we haven't actually i don't think I don't think we've name dropped your dad and you we're talking about him now. So yeah, let's, let's, yeah. Just, let's, let's just, let's just, uh, you know, let's, let's just it. say it. It's uh, yeah. talking of course about Joe R. Lansdale um, yeah. Yeah. who, who, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to restrain, but he is a, he is a, a big, a big one for me. Um, oh, no,
1: don't no, take your time because you need to actually put that out there because he's <laughs> done, he's said some really nice stuff about your stuff and nobody gets to toot your horn often enough. So this is your moment to, to, say stuff about your stuff that dad has said I, i'm i'm putting this time aside because okay. it's important
0: no i i haven't i haven't i've never spoken to him really just uh you know i've I've definitely exchanged a couple you know messages online yeah. no he's 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 just a an amazing dude um i would i hope to meet you guys both someday like for sure but the uh the fact of the matter is this guy has done everything he can write he can do no wrong writing wise. and <laughs> you guys, it, you know, it's funny. It's funny because, you know, I mentioned the monsters and stuff. There's something about the Lansdales. You guys just have my number. like you know if 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 I'm gonna the, okay, the listening world can't see this, but I'm gonna hold up. this is me, of course, I got this uh, Harryhausen Triceratops here right right. you know right. I mean, yeah. so I mean, you know, you guys just have this weird. Like you're not a—he's never been afraid to combine genres, to try weird things, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, I—he's uh, just—he's just, he's just uh, an awesome dude. So, um, but you know, uh, uh, we're we're here to talk to you, Keith. Okay, all we're right. Well, I'm just saying,
1: but, like but, I know um, I know the man's a name, so take your time. No, get that's out of there no, because
0: I, I want to talk about you, man. He's a cool guy, and I like talking about him, so I'm all about it. I'm, I'm, <laughs> that's I'm all. For it. You know, that's, that's also really cool. That's really cool. This has just become a cool fest. We're just like, cool, cool. Or maybe it's just me. I'm just babbling. Uh, that's okay. Okay, so, so like tell us about, you mentioned Bruce Campbell. Yeah. All right, so Baba Hotep, let's, let's just start there. Okay. Baba Hotep was uh, the first time I ever heard of your dad. Mm-hmm. Uh, and It was because of the movie. So, uh, you know, this is, this is a favorite of mine. I've, I've met Don Coscarelli, mm-hmm. uh, awesome dude. Uh, we 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 talked about your dad, we talked about Bruce, we, you know, and I've met Bruce a couple of times at conventions briefly. Uh, because you know, the line's always two hours long. But, oh
1: God, yeah.
0: Um, but I do I do have a signed Bubba Hotep from Don and Bruce. I'm just putting that out there. But <laughs> you
1: uh, can add a dad signature to that. Uh, well, you know what?
0: You guys were he was supposed to come up to Nikon uh in 2020, and then the plague happened. So that yeah. was my plan. That was actually no, my no. plan. So okay. someday, one day. He will. He will. Day. But anyway, yeah. So tell us a little bit about what you remember. Uh, Cause I know you were on the set, obviously. Was this your first time on a, on a movie set? The first time on kind of an official movie set. I was on a movie set for something that nobody
1: ever saw. Um, it was called The Job, which was actually remade years later. Um, but there was, it was kind of a, a short little. Elvis impersonator who is a hitman for hire. So funny enough, it was another Elvis. Another Elvis, yes. movie. and uh, it, it, it's. It, it, I don't know if it ever went anywhere. It was okay. like a very short little thing. It was. I think it had two scenes. Um, I don't. Yeah, it was really really short. But I was I was an extra in the background, and so okay. that was my that was my first time being on a set. Uh, but it was it was the most unofficial thing of all times. But gotcha. yeah, Bubba Hotep would be the, the first like official set that I actually spent some time. Uh, you know, it was you know, it was one that had the whole uh, crew and cast. And of course, I was a huge fan of Bruce. Um, I'll tell the, the backstory of how. It oh, got please here. do. Please do. Um, so dad originally, whenever he was looking to have uh, uh, Bubba Hotep filmed, And they were considering actors and things like that. Uh, They had a few different names picked out. I don't don't remember who it was, but um, there was a few different choices. And... I, i've been a big fan of bruce campbell since way back i watched evil dead and army yeah. of darkness and i was way too young to watch evil dead and army of darkness
0: but- i got to see army of darkness in the theater which i i will brag <coughs> every <too>. chance <laughs> nice i brag every chance i can get because it was in the theater for like two seconds
1: yeah no i saw that one in the theaters too because i you know i'd watched all but i'd watched both the evil dead movies uh, with dad at a nice. completely unreasonable age. Um, but the, uh, uh, when, when army darkness came out, I had just a, a blast with that. I loved Bruce. I'd also grown up or uh, dad and I watched all the Briscoe County juniors. Oh man. I um, love that show so much. Uh, yeah. I
0: just, I love okay, Juniors. Okay. So pause for one second. Okay. Another great genre blending. Yeah. Right. You got you got sci-fi, steampunk, and western. Western, yeah, no, so bizarre. I loved it so much.
1: It was, you know, it was kind of a a a a human and almost a parody in itself, also of those old. um, Oh man, what is the name of it? My dad would be so upset that I can't remember Um, the one. It was the it was kind of a western, but they also oh Wild Wild West, the Wild Wild West. Thank you. Uh, The I did that for some reason. My brain wouldn't wrap my around. i guess he kept trying to find the will smith version but um <laughs> anyways yeah so it, it was kind of that sort of thing but i, yeah. I grew up watching brisco county junior um i, I was just a fan of bruce I, it, it's yeah it was, the, it was the the star that Same. i walked into as a kid
0: me too and, and me so too man. right there, whenever right there.
1: whenever dad was trying to find out who could play elvis i was like i think you could get bruce i think bruce could be elvis <laughs> And part of it was probably because I was just such a big fan. I figured,
0: oh man! You know, so huh? you're the,
1: you're the reason? But yeah. So well, that's, that, that's, <laughs> well, that's like, amazing. He, he was like, he was like, yeah, maybe, like I don't know. And then not, but I don't know. Maybe it was like two days later, he came to me and he was like, "We got Bruce Campbell. We're oh, gonna get Bruce Campbell." God. And I was like, "Yes!" That's oh so man, amazing! That is the
0: so, that is the greatest accomplishment of yeah. your life, <laughs> at least at that point, for sure. It is. Uh, so yeah, that
1: was. Uh, that was my 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 big uh, addition. Oh, Keith, that's a hell of power. an anecdote, man. That is a hell of an <laughs> anecdote.
0: I I never knew that. That's amazing. Um, yeah, because you know it's funny. He, t- like, I never would have thought that. Like, think you know <coughs> of who who can we get to play Elvis? Bruce Campbell. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, never in a million years would I think. <laughs> However, like he is truly great in that role, and he mm-hmm. clearly acted his balls off. Oh, yeah. I mean, he. He treated it very seriously and did a great job. And he's not the most on point exact Elvis impersonation, obviously, but but... he made it his own a hundred percent. And the thing, the thing about that movie, and I I said this to Don Coscarelli and I know, I know, you know, you can tell when people appreciate when you appreciate their stuff, (laughs) but you know, the thing about that movie is because it's, it's very silly and uh you know you can describe it to somebody and they're gonna like roll their eyes you know you'll be like oh what's this movie about it's like oh it's about a a retired elvis presley um and uh he's best friends with uh who's who's the black guy who thinks he's john f kennedy yeah Uh, john f kennedy davis right yep and uh and they have to fight a (laughs) uh, a, a a cowboy mummy who's sucking people's souls out of their assholes in in an east texas rest home (laughs) it's like it's like okay that's not so this is again this is again the the meeting of the the different the different things the juxtaposition Mm -hmm. of the crazy insane shit like that and then you have this incredibly heartfelt very honest very brutally honest portrait of how terrible we are to the elderly in this country it is it is and that's it's it's that's not something that you see yeah like ever
1: it's it is and and that's it's really true and there's there's kind of some uh, there's a genre that exists that people don't really like call it a genre but i do because that's who i am as a person um but it's the getting older sucks genre pretty much um you know that movie uh up in you know the pixar movie uh, so, yeah, pretty much yeah. anything made by Clint Eastwood Clint Eastwood, Eastwood is what yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah. but yeah it's the getting older sucks and and, and there's some there's some real like for, for I mean I, I don't want to worry about spoilers for Bubba Hotep God mm. knows if you haven't yeah. seen Bubba Hotep by now you've either not heard of it which then it's forgivable, or you just haven't gotten around to seeing it, and then it's not forgivable. But or, or um, all you did was you heard mommy <coughs> sucking people's asses, you know, and, and you're like,
0: I'm I'm good.
1: No, no, no. That's that's the selling point. <laughs> no, it is. It's bizarre. I love I love telling people what it's about mm-hmm. because I like watching them reel from like what yeah. <laughs> what what is right. this insanity? Right. Um, but yeah, no, you're absolutely right. The the reason why Bubba is such a like classic that still holds 20 years later is because it is so heartfelt. There's, there is some real, like absolutely heartbreaking things that when you realize that the part that's aren't exaggerated about that are the yeah. real parts. And yeah. those are the parts that hurt, you know, a mummy running around an East Texas rest home. That's funny. The, the orderly not treating people that are in these rest homes like anything more than children at best. Right. Right that's just real scary truth facts. And I hate it, but right.
0: it's, well, it shines that light. Yeah. It's, you know, I mean, I think the word is, you know, it's an allegory, but it's such yeah. a thin allegory because half of it is just actual. So your, your allegory is uh, these, these, these old people are battling a mummy and they're trying to tell their kids and the, the people who work in the rest home. And uh, and they're like, yeah, okay, sure. Dad. Yeah, But but half of that is what actually happens. The mummy is the allegory, but it, it, you know, I, I have family members who are treated badly Hmm. in homes that it's like, okay, well they're stealing my medication. They're hurting me. They're, they're, they're still, you know, they're treating me bad. They're, they're not letting me do the things that I'm supposed to be able to do. That stuff is just a mummy. So half of it is completely honest. So, yeah you know it's it's totally what you said i mean that that is uh why i just i uh, just love that movie and you know i say all i need is a good monster but in reality uh when there's heart and there's a good story it, it elevates it for sure um which well, is why like the first godzilla is better than uh godzilla <laughs> godzilla.
1: Yeah. well it's it's that old it's that old saying it's that old trope and, and it's very true and it's the humans are the worst monster
0: and, yeah, it's, and sure.
1: it's, it really fits there
0: mm-hmm. absolutely uh so what was it like meeting your hero bruce campbell on the set for the first time
1: oh man i was completely like starstruck and had no idea how to even behave like a human being (laughs) um if you see that picture of me where you know i'm like i i was real heavy for most of my my teenage years and most of my 20s really um so there's this just the most awkward picture of me i'm just like this big old guy and i'm standing next to bruce campbell and i don't know what i look like i'm doing um but yeah, it, it was, it was like such a, such a huge moment for me, but you would think that maybe I I was trying to decide if I left the toaster on or something, because <laughs> I just have this kind of far away look. In my so you ass. don't
0: actually look like you're having a good time. Yeah, I It's like, like, dad, like, can we leave? Yeah, I mean, that's... exactly.
1: I don't look like I'm, I'm enjoying it. But the thing is, is, it's one of the most memorable moments ever. Um, I remember the, the, the shot and everything. I remember catching him between scenes and, It was my first time meeting him, and, you know, of course, he took the time to take all the pictures, and, um, you know, now I've met Bruce multiple times afterwards, and um, not to say that I am not still just completely impressed with him. I I still love Bruce, but um, now I can at least have a conversation with him like a normal human being, but at that time, I could not. I had no idea how
0: you just yeah you needed that uh, a couple of the buffer yeah, the buffer yeah. meeting to just get all the cause,
1: yeah because I, I don't know it was just like I'd met all these people up. I mean I I've, I'd met Stephen King I'd met all these people growing up sure. none of them did anything to me because they were just people that I met at these conventions but Bruce to me was a huge star. Yeah. And of course, Bruce has never been a huge star ever. But uh, I mean, it depends me, on your yeah. point of view. No Wait, let me tell you. I'm in that camp. But there's still <laughs> it surprises me every time when I'm like, "I know Bruce Campbell and I met him
0: here." And they're like, "Who the hell is Bruce Campbell?" <laughs> and you're like, "Dude, have like Alien Apocalypse uh <laughs> yeah. running time, I'm uh, like, come on, man. Uh, sundown the Vampires in Retreat, uh yeah, like are you kidding? Come, on.
1: come I'm, on." I'm yeah, like it's it's easier now to find stuff that people have seen. I mean, you know, he's been extras in some of the Spider-Man movies and things like that. So um, there's there's people that are more familiar with him, even that don't know they know him. But there was, it was harder when I was a kid because if they hadn't seen Evil Dead or Army darson I was like, I don't know. He was the last face in dark man <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I, got, I got nothing to I
0: got nothing to bridge this gap for you here. If you don't know who Bruce is, I don't know. I don't got anything. For he you was in stuff. the Hudsucker Proxy. Oh, nobody yeah. saw that. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, he was in a uh, maniac cup one. Yeah. Uh, that's what I'm saying. Like all these, all these movies that everybody I knew had never heard of. So yeah. those are, those are kind of always the guys that I always uh, keyed in on because yeah. uh, the cheesy stuff was, was always my favorite anyway, yeah, you know? Yeah. So like my, my big heroes are like, you know, the Bruce Campbell's, the Robert Zadars, and you know, the, the, just, just just the like smaller people that I always look for and stuff. Rudger Hauer is a big one. Oh my God. I, never got to meet him i wish i wish that had somehow happened i was just oh Uh, such a such a rudger Hauer fan (laughs) uh but um yeah uh yeah but bruce was bruce was always a big one for me you know way back and way way back in the day uh you know well so it's funny like i'll do a little sidetrack here okay so we always we always try to work in nostalgia and so i guess bruce campbell is our nostalgia bit yeah (laughs) no we've achieved it did, yeah, he's definitely, go, he's us.
1: definitely been my, like my star, my whole life. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's somebody that I was lucky enough to get to meet. Yeah. He's lucky enough that, you know, I got to get to orchestrate the whole uh, <laughs> situation. So I have my own story with it. I mean, that is amazing he's, though. He's, he's definitely a, a big part of my creative life. Even yeah. I've never done anything specifically with him, but, um, you know, just being able to sure.
0: Be in his presence. I mean, you can you can just say it. You can just say it, Keith. He's your best friend. It's fine. Yeah, we're we're besties. besties. Yeah, you're just he's your best friend. It's fine. (laughs) Um, No, but so way way back in the '90s uh, when he was still on like Xena, Oh yeah. um, Yeah. You know, I used to at the time he was really cool. He was one of the only celebrities that made his personal email address known, and he would he would say like email me, and uh, so I I used to email him all the time. Now (laughs) now at the now you would. Now, I was one of hundreds of thousands of people, probably. Um, I'm not saying that we had some special relationship. And he would always mail you back like two or three words, maybe a sentence. But it was great. You know, it was just the coolest thing. And, and he, it, it, you know, he's maintained that that was always him. Yeah, um, I, yeah. I believe it. I mean, I, I, I didn't know he did
1: that, but that doesn't surprise me at all. He's really not, cool. Like, you know, I mean, the the, the Hollywood vibe doesn't exist with him. It's the reason he doesn't live out in LA. It's the reason that, you know, it, it's probably why he's never been that a star because he's never been to that sort of world. He's right. He's always stayed very true to what he wants to do. Um, it, it, he's, he's a really nice guy. You know, what's funny is that I was very starstruck when I met him the first time. Mm-hmm. Second time I ever met him, he came to Nacogdoches, which is where um, I grew up and where my dad currently lives. And he came specifically because they were doing a Bubba Hotep showing in Nacogdoches. It was kind of like dad's hometown. Let's bring in Bruce. Let's make it a thing. And um, so I got to drive him around. And um, we we went to like we went to a Mexican restaurant to eat. And he's sitting across the table from me telling me about things that, you know, like filming and stuff out there. And um, it's getting to be where I realize I'm like, this man sounds just like talking to dad. He's just telling me about all sorts of goofy stuff. And I'm, 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 loving it, but it's like, it doesn't feel like I'm talking to one of those, you know, LA people. I'm, I feel like I'm just talking to, you know, just somebody else that's in the business. It's just, he's got a lot of stories and, and it's, it's exciting to kind of hear from his side. But I was like, if this wasn't Bruce, nobody would care, you know, <laughs> like, just because it's Bruce. It's You're like, the exciting it, it, thing. It, it...
0: Wait. And then you're, you had the thought, you're like, wait a minute. Is Bruce Campbell boring?
1: No, no, it's impossible. No, I won't. I will never have this thought again. Well, <laughs> you know, and I don't want to confuse it with boring. It was just like, it made me realize he was very, he was very down to earth. He was He's very just a guy. Who, just, he, well, yeah, he was, he was just, just, just a, guy. a guy. And um, you know, I mean, I, I'm still a huge fan, mm. but there's no part of me that thinks that doesn't see him as very authentic, mm. which is really where I'm going with all this. If he said he was responding to those emails, by god i bet you it was him responding to those emails yeah it doesn't surprise me at all
0: did you uh have you read any of his books
1: the uh if the chins could kill that was uh, the first one yeah yeah i read some of that one i have to admit i did never finish it um i i I read more fiction than i read anything else um and as much as i love his stuff it was not i I like to watch him as an actor you know what i mean like that um but but I, i i love the book i think i still have it up here somewhere um it might be in a box. Uh, nope. no, take it back. There it is. No, there Hale, it is. <laughs> hail to the chin is what the one I've got up here with him. Oh,
0: hail to the chin is the third yeah. one.
1: Yeah, so that's the one I've got here in my office.
0: Yeah, that one's good. So actually, in that one, he talks about how you know he just you know he moved out to Oregon because mm-hmm. he just couldn't stand it. He yeah. hated LA. Yeah. He hated being yeah. part of the hustle and bustle and all yeah, that stuff. Yeah. He was too authentic. He just uh, you know he just he wanted to work. I'm an yeah. actor. I happen to have to do all this shit that i don't want to mm-hmm. do i just want to act and get paid and it is what it is but no that is that is just cool as hell uh so you know thank you for sharing all that man that yeah. was uh that was that was very cool uh yeah. it's cool you know uh it, really funny just right there with you with the the superstar of the world to me when i was uh, yeah. like a teenager basically yeah absolutely. But, um so let's swing it back to you because uh, you are the guest, not Bruce Campbell. Bruce Campbell's <laughs> never going to do this show, man. I'm telling you right now. Bruce you may, Campbell. You never no, know. You no, know Bruce Campbell's not. definitely not going to do this show. <laughs> I am not. I'm not Michael Rosenbaum. I, I can't get him to get out to do the uh, the one podcast that he's he's done a year. Um, but uh, let's talk about the uh, the pale door.
1: Yeah, want to yeah. talk about this for a little bit? Let's definitely talk about the
0: pale door. Um, no. so
1: do you have anything question wise or how do you want to how do you want
0: to lean into this well uh, let's just talk about it briefly so uh i i got to see this uh recently I, when we started talking i sought it out i did see the poster i think uh mm-hmm. actually i saw your dad post it um sometime over maybe maybe it was around the summer mm-hmm. and the the poster is just freaking awesome it is I, an amazing poster. i love it i love it so so yeah. damn much uh it's got like a you know i'm it's like, I, I don't want to give too much about the story away, but it's, it's a 2020 American horror Western film, uh, it, basically a gang of desperados. Uh, they're trying to rob a train and then they do rob a train and then it goes really, 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 really wrong after that. So, uh, you know, there's there's monsters in this, uh, you know, there's there's uh, your monsters are very, very inhuman witches, which are mm-hmm. pretty cool. Uh, very different take um on on the on the the concept of what is a witch i really liked that and uh it was you know it's 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 the acting is is great i noticed um Bill Sage was in this and I recognized
1: Bill Sage. So I,
0: I recognized him from happened Leonard season one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's where
1: I met him originally. I mean, obviously Bill's been around forever. That man's been working since the, the, the dawn of time. Um, (laughs) But no, he's, he's one of those guys that everybody knows him, but it doesn't know they know him.
0: He's, he's one Um, of those, that guys.
1: Yeah. He's, he's one of those that guys. And the thing is, is that he deserves a lot more than that guy because he is phenomenal. Like a bill, he can play two different roles side by side. If you didn't know it was the same guy, he could convince you it was
0: two different people. Oh my god! Just take the two we're talking about. Just his yeah. character in Pale Door is a total badass. His character in Happen Leonard is like this <laughs> this pacifist, pathetic hippie. Yeah, I mean, yeah absolutely you know not who i pictured while reading that book but yeah. man did he did he nail that character of howard he did. and uh you know uh good stuff but no i mean you know good time really really uh just a fun flick i love i love any any chance that i can see a horror western you know yeah. i'm gonna go see it yeah. there just are not enough of them or, or weird westerns is, is yeah. more the uh the correct term but um, in this case, it happens to be horror because, you know, for those, for those who don't know, it's basically weird Western is, is the, uh, the blanket term. And uh, I like to always credit uh, Robert E. Howard, the creator of Conan the Barbarian. He's, uh, as far as I know, the first, first dude who put those two great tastes, the taste great together, together. <laughs> um, and, uh, and it's just one of my favorite genres is the weird Western. You got a Western plus aliens. You got a Western plus horror. You got a Western plus sci-fi steampunk anything anything weird yeah. and it's just man oh man do i love the weird western <laughs> uh which again like like i said the lansdales just got my number so uh, i can't do anything about that um but yeah. so so this this movie the pale door this was an original story this did not come because yeah. a lot of you a lot of stuff that you've been working on has either been with your dad or or i know you've adapted yeah. some stuff
1: absolutely and I mean, you're working on but this
0: was original
1: that's exactly. And to, to kind of back up where this came from. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, the, 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 the really great thing is that everything that I want to work on, typically when I start working on my own ideas, somebody comes up and is like, hey, we want to adapt this of your dad's. Um, we're willing to pay you. And so a lot of my ideas, I'm like, let me put mine on hold, because I am a fan of that paycheck. Um, So um, a lot of the stuff that I've actually been able to get made is because people have come to me already with the funds to pay for it, get it made. Um, So what gets what makes it through the hopper a lot of times is dad stuff, because let's be honest, he's got a name. And that's kind of what happened with uh, the pale door almost in a way too. Uh, I was on, well, to back up even further than that, I've got another movie out there that is an adaptation of doing a dad's works. It's called Christmas with the dead. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with that one or not.
0: I've I've heard you talk about it. I've researched it a little bit. I haven't gotten to see it.
1: That's all right. That's what I'm here for. Mm. Um, So Christmas with the dead Um, dad wrote this little short story and the the and i don't care if i spoil this one because one it's going to be hard to even find a version of it exists Um, but two the 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 movie is very very different from this from the original short story dad wrote um it it was i like to jokingly say that if you filmed it word for word how he wrote it there's 15 minutes and a half of that's with a dog which if you're working with low budget, you know, right from the get go, you don't get pets because they're too expensive for, for film. They don't, you know, the, the ones that you would want to pay for, they, they're not going to do what you want. So um, it's kind of one of those things where I, I pretty much took the original concept, which is um, the, the apocalypse has already happened. The zombie apocalypse okay. has come and gone okay. um, just about everything you're going to see of uh, zombie movies. This is kind of one of those where it starts, uh, and sometimes they'll do kind of like where it's already in it, but then they'll kind of go back and show you, uh, but it's about kind of how it happens, and then the guy getting to a point of survival. This is one of those things where it's, it's the other side of the coin. The apocalypse has already happened. We're far enough down the road now that he's got his routine. He, he's got, you know, he's not, there's no concern. He knows that there's no fixing it. Um, he's just he's just kind of come to terms with the fact of this is what he does every day. And the way that he fills his time is that he tries to find all the very perfect, christmas decorations because that was the last thing that he promised his wife before everything happened is that he was going to put the christmas decorations up and but because he's got this mental block going on where if he does that then what's he going to do for the rest of eternity so every day something else kind of distracts him he ends up never getting it done um and and it just it it gets it gets worse and worse for him from there he runs into another person who's also surviving who starts trying to push him to get things fixed. But of course that just makes it worse and they end up just spiraling out of control. Um, the point is, is that I'm, that was my very first script I ever wrote. Um, like I said, there was, there was a little bit of material, original of dads, which is this guy who's in the apocalypse that wants his Christmas decoration. Mm-hmm. So that was it. That was the entirety of pretty much what I took. Everything else was original, but with that very, idea or concept as the as the framework so technically I did come up with everything else except for the original like concept okay Um, so that was really my first original and the thing is is it was the very first script I ever wrote in my life now I had done comics and things so it wasn't like my first writing project but it was my very first script and they filmed it so I was like You know, it's one of those things I definitely can't complain too much because the very first script I ever wrote got filmed. <laughs> now, sure. it got filmed with a budget of about $10 and everybody's best wishes. And it got filmed. It got filmed. And it turned out to be, it's one of those things, too, that's got the same sort of idea where, it's a goofy concept. It's kind of, like a, but it's got a very heartfelt thing. And yes, I yeah. don't care if I'm spoiling this one because you know, whatever sure. the real heartfelt message that's underneath thing is about how hard it is to have a loss. And that's the thing is that he loses his wife, he loses his daughter, right. and now he's stuck in the spot where he has to move on, but he has to move on by himself. And there is no like anybody else really to lean on. So it's, it's a story of loss and a story of acceptance in a post-apocalyptic world. I love so it. So it's it's definitely got, you know, that same sort of like heartfelt feeling yeah. the whole time you're going through it. Yeah. And um It's that, yeah. that
0: Babahotep thing that we were talking it, exactly. about. Exactly. That's exactly it, yeah. So. It's the juxtaposition of that, exactly. that exactly. very, yeah. very <laughs> uh relatable true emotion. Uh, emotional drama in there, but it's right. wrapped in this crazy rapper.
1: Right, right. And so the actual, all the zombie stuff and everything like that's very slapsticky. Um, mm-hmm. There's there's some great lines in there that I still laugh at because that's who <laughs> I am. I don't care. I laugh at my own stuff. Um, I mean, you you love Big Chicken. Yeah, you, I do. I you do love Big Chicken. chicken love I that guy. Big um, <laughs> but either way, it's, uh, it's one of those things where all that, was such a, like it still resonates to people because that's one of those that's been around for 20 years now. And people keep telling me about how much they love it. And there's people mm-hmm. that they watch it every Christmas, things like that. Um You know, I don't, it's, it's one of those things. wait where, So
0: Christmas with the dead, was 20 years ago.
1: It was, let's see, let me find out the, let me find out the exact year here. Um,
0: what, you, what did you write this when you were like 12?
1: <laughs> I, I love that. You don't know how old I was um no, it, it, <laughs> Um. okay so the original christmas with the dead when it got filmed and came out and everything like that it was 2012 uh, okay. but of course okay. i wrote it years before that okay um so i I'm, I'm rounding up a little bit it's not quite 20 years but we'll, we'll, we'll definitely say at least like let's see it took probably a year to get it filmed a year for everything else about two thousand ten, really. So probably about eleven years. Oh, okay, I, I rounded up pretty we'll, hard. We'll, but, cut, th- we'll um, cut that. we in half. Okay. Yeah. yeah All right.
0: So, so minutes. is this a full length movie?
1: It is ninety minutes, and uh, there's there's a trailer out there that exists. There's two where, trailers out there.
0: Where the hell can I see this movie? Like, um,
1: it's it's hard to find, and there's that's that's part of what's going on with this is that when originally when it came out, we sold DVDs, we did all this sort of stuff. And like I said, it was very low budget. It was, it was kind of one of those things where, um, we, we made the rounds. It made it all the way to the Torino film festival. I mean, it, it did the, it did everything. And, um, like I said, there's still people out there that love it to this day, but what actually the reason why is eventually I'm going to tie this to pale door. Okay. Let's do it. Um, So (laughs) what happened (laughs) is that um, I was actually approached by somebody who had some funding and they said, look, we love the original Christmas of the dead and we would love to see it actually get filmed with a budget. And uh, once again, this was one of those people who came to me and said, we're willing to pay you. And they also said, I love those and people. If you're interested, you can direct it, and I said, "Ooh, so I get to direct something!" I'm very excited. Uh, so we actually shot a complete trailer for the remake, which I rewrote the whole script because, like I said, it was the very first script I ever did. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't have a lot of experience writing scripts. Um, after watching that movie for several years, um, I knew everything in there that I wanted to do different. Mm-hmm. And so, whenever they said we, we have some real interest in remaking this first thing I did was sit down and just write the script without even looking at the old script. I just, I'd seen it enough times that I knew all the, the beats I wanted, yeah. but I wanted to make it a lot, a little darker than the original. Cause the original, like I said, it's slapsticky because it's easier to film slapsticky, good horror and stuff like that takes a good, you know, uh, uh makeup budget takes a good, uh, uh, special effects budget, takes a good everything sort of thing. So, um, I was like, this is this is my moment to actually get exactly what I really want and have more control over. It. So we, we shot it again. We've made the whole thing again. And uh, then that was the same exact time COVID. And so it, it never went anywhere. So I, <sighs> have a, I have directed a trailer that there are still the people who have the money that say they want to do this. Yeah, we'll see if anything actually even comes of it. Now, just because this is a nice little side note, and I will add this on here, at the exact same time all this ridiculousness is going on here, (laughs) there is also now a musical version of Christmas with the Dead. (laughs) that, to be honest, of every version of it I've seen is the best version of it. Of course it um, is. Because it takes that goofy slapsticky one, and then it's meta on itself where it knows that it's a goofy little movie. Yeah. And so all the music also has all the, <laughs> you know, because you can do stuff in musicals that you can't do in other places. You can kind of have a little bit more kind of breaking the breaking the fourth wall and things like that that
0: you can't do. Yeah. Uh, you know, so...
1: It, it really, well, that's
0: really where the term camp comes from, right? Yeah, like all those yeah. old vaudeville shows and stuff like that. I mean, that's that's literal camp.
1: Exactly, exactly. And so it's, it's wonderful. And uh, so I've even seen a version of that. Uh, but like I said, all this was going on at the same time, which means COVID kind of nipped that in the bud too. Now, we have since, me and the, 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 the lady who actually, uh, uh, Judy Pancoast, who adapted it for the stage, um, her and I also got together and did a podcast version of it. Or uh, we we we've put oh my god together a fourth version. There's a fourth version, of, a fourth version the- of this ridiculous movie. Oh my um, god! But either way, the uh, without getting too far, much further down this road, <laughs> but there are four versions of this ridiculous. All movie. Right. I like to call it the movie that won't die. It's yeah, <laughs> zombie movie. by God, right in, in every aspect. <laughs> But the point is, the 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 big lead in to all that is that I was actually Pal-dor, at a Pal-dor. convention. Yeah, I was actually <laughs> at a convention with somebody else. Um, and when they were talking about wanting to, to put this money together. So I was a guest there, and there was these two other, it was another guy on the panel with me. It was dad was also on the panel for some stuff. I was on the panel and this guy named Aaron. Aaron is the other co-writer of Pale Door. And so, when he was talking about his idea, he was talking about, hey, yeah, we want to do something that's kind of like a, a cowboys versus witches type movie. And um, I started like, kind of, yeah, that'd be a fun idea. You could kind of do this and kind of do that. And we started kind of like jokingly kicking the ball around. Well, uh, Aaron and his writing partner, Cameron, they approached dad and I after that panel and was like, what would you think about coming in with us on this? Because we think that, you know, the Lansdale names would be good for getting this thing made, but also because we really want some fresh outside, you know, because they're like, we know we want this idea. We've got locations. We don't have a script. And uh, so I was like, I was like, yeah, sure. I said, send me what you got. I'll, I'll look at it.
0: Well, I I Um, just think it's uh it's hilarious and ironic that they were looking for the Lansdales because they needed a name when Aaron's last name is Koontz. Yes.
1: Yes. But, and, and you're, oh, oh, oh
0: well, it's a, well, nobody needs to know that. Spelled the same. Exactly. It is. How many coonses well, are there anyway? Right. At least two. At least two.
1: <laughs> so,
0: but how anyway. many coons you got in there?
1: Uh, so he, uh, he, he threw me a script. I looked at it. Um, I was like, I was like, this is, this is a skeletal structure of a script. It's not really a script. Um, it's more an idea of a script. Uh, so I spent some time just like completely hammering that script down. I, I added all the dialogue, added all the, uh, you know, pretty much everything sort of thing, mm. but I kept their locations because they had certain locations. I kept their beats um, and I added some that actually I felt like it was necessary. <coughs> uh, but when it was over, I was like, I sent it to them and they were like, we don't know what to do with this. And I was like, Like Well, I was like, I don't know what to tell you. I said, I I like it.
0: You're like, this is too goddamn good. And you're like, I am sorry. That's all I can do. (laughs) Well, that's, you know, because I I had. That is my only setting. I had
1: kind of like taken what they had started with and really just ran down the the field with it. But when they got there, they were like, well, we read it twice because we, we were like, we just couldn't believe how different it was. And they were like, but we think we love it. And I was like I was like all right well that's good. Um, so before I um, nice. before I knew it uh, we, we traded back a few more ideas to kind of try to like get their, all their locations to work but yeah then it was over. it was like that's good. good. let's do this. Let's film nice. this thing. So Aaron also directed it. Um, so it, it, it turned out to be it's it is very fun. Is yeah. it going to be the best movie that you've seen all year? No. Is it going to be a fun movie? Absolutely. It is definitely worth a
0: watch. Absolutely. I, I enjoyed it and I
1: enjoyed writing it and
0: enjoyed watching it. Hell yeah. Totally agreed. I mean, I, I can't speak for writing it because I didn't do that <laughs> part. But the uh, the watching, I, I like the watching. Um, yeah, that that's that's so cool. Yeah. So it's it's also interesting to know that, you know, it's, it's not like you're not willing to take chances on your own stuff. And that's why you're always doing adaptations of your dad's stuff. It's that you keep getting offers <laughs> yeah. and people are throwing money at you. So you're like, well, okay, yeah, I guess I'll put my stuff on hold again. Yeah, well, it's,
1: it's one of those things that I jokingly call a curse, but it's kind of one of those things where anytime if I want work, all I have to do is start working on something on my own and the offer will show up in the email the next day. It's almost mm-hmm. guaranteed. Um, anytime I start putting any sort of words on a page, somebody shows up and they're like, hey, here's this. We want somebody to adapt it. And I'm like, uh, I'm in, I'm all for it. <laughs> uh, so I have built a career uh, w- around that sort of idea. But um, my hope is to get some stuff finished that's, that's my own from start to finish. And then that way I can, I can kind of really claw my way out of that um, you know, everything I do is also dad's sort of thing. Right. Right.
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. You know, obviously it's, it's nice to have that uh, that relationship and be able to, you know, collaborate all the time and everything, but you know, you want your own identity and you want your oh, your own voice and, and all that stuff. I,
1: you know, I've got, I've got ideas. I have a story that I've been kicking back and forth since about 2008. And at some point I will write this dead game thing. I have written the first third <laughs> I don't know how many times, but every time I write the first third, that's when somebody will show up and say, hey, do you want to do this? And then by the time I get back around to it, I'm like, I hate this first third. I got to start over. (laughs) So so I've written the first third so many times that, yeah, anytime I need some work, that's been the thing. And that's actually funny enough, I started it again uh, not too long ago. And uh, uh, dad approached me about writing something. he was like, hey, I've got this idea. How would you like to do this? I was like, yeah, I need, I'd love to do that. So uh, yeah, it's, it's one of those weird things that every time I want work, I just start writing that and <laughs> it shows up.
0: So just, just, just as a, from a, a writing standpoint, because I know <laughs> some of our listeners are, are writers too. Yeah. And uh, like, if you're stuck on something like that, right? Now your your case is that you keep getting pulled away because of unrelated work, so Uh, you get pulled away. You come back and you're trying to (coughs) reacclimate yourself to like where you were in the story, and and then you end up rewriting the first third. Mm -hmm. What what would what would your dad say? What what would his advice be if you keep getting stuck at the first third, and you know you got to get past it, but you can't get past it? What what do you think he would say? Well, I can tell you a couple of things, and the
1: first one is that if I really like. If I said, I'm going to finish this thing, and mm-hmm. this is my new project, um, the, the big problem with something like that is that I've got a big enough name that I can get some interest, but everything I do is on spec at this point. So unless mm-hmm. somebody does come to me, it's kind of like anytime I put into something, I have to be willing to know that I'm putting time in on something that I may not get paid. Because mm-hmm. I've got plenty of scripts out there that, like, I wrote a pilot for one of Dad's uh, things for... Uh, um, Um, Lost Echoes, uh, things like that. There's there's all sorts of things that I've written that may never see the light of day. I mean, I told you that that comic that I have hanging up in my, my office is a prime example. I, I, we, we did that comic. We set it up. We did the first like 10, 15 pages and it may never see the light of day. That's, so
0: uh, my little lie you're talking about, yeah, right? my little right? Yeah. So yeah, yeah,
1: there's, there's lots of stuff that when I know when I'm writing it, that it may never, may never see anybody else. It may never get paid. So like I said, my big issue is not finding like getting through with something it's it's going oh if i actually get this made one it adds another actual credit to my name which will help me in the future but also two, it gives it gives me paid so that doesn't hurt my feelings either for sure Um, so it's one of those things where it's it is very very like uh, positive on both of those fronts um but at the same time yeah i've got i've got some stories i want to tell so if we were to say hey, what if, you're, what if you're stuck on the first third? Well, it depends on why you're stuck on the first third. If you're stuck on the first third and you can't get past it because you don't know what to do from there, then you probably messed up something already. Or you like an idea, but you don't like a, a story arc. You know what I mean? Because yeah. ideas are easy. The first third is the easy part. <clears throat> That's the part that you you know right from the get-go. This is kind of a neat concept but actually making it a story worth telling means that that concept has to actually evolve into all the other elements of a story. And so if that's, if that's the issue, if you're going, well, I've got this great character, but he doesn't have anything to do. (laughs) That that might be the issue. So, I mean, it really really depends. I mean, I already know that story that I've written, how it, the entirety of it. Um, It's, it's one of those stories that I have told people pretty much the start, the middle and the end, every step. And people always go, "Oh, yeah, no, you need to get that done." <laughs> like I know, I know, I do need to. But the problem, <laughs> Look, is I I know, All right, know. Trust me. So it's one of those that <clears throat> whenever I'm doing that, it's it's kind of one of those because I'm still I'm at a point now where I feel comfortable, but I was very very new when I first started doing this. Like I said, this was this was 2008 and 2007 when I first started working on this, and Christmas with the Dead was around that same time, so that. It was actually one of those things that after I finished Christmas with a dead script, that was when I said, what's my next story? And this was the one that popped up. And it's the problem of knowing that I was not skilled enough at that time to tell that story. Yeah. Time has gone on. Every time I do something, I learn, oh, I'm a little better writer at this. I'm a little better. So when I get back to that third, I'm going, damn, I could tell this story better now because of this other thing that I learned about pacing or this Mm. other thing I learned about character or this other thing I learned about world building. And Mm. so, because it's just like anything else, writing is just like any other skill that you you do. The more you do it, the better you get at it. So every time I go in and do something or somebody else, I pick up a skill that for myself goes, well, this is the story I really want to tell. So it has to be perfect. You know? So it's one of those things where, I'm like, I know I could do this better here. So we gotta start this over. So yeah. <laughs> I, now, the, the best thing that actually happened the other day was when I went to start it over this last time. I was like, you know what? I wrote I wrote this scene so well, I'm not gonna rewrite this scene. I love this scene. So I'm getting to a point now where it's starting to solidify in places. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, till I finish, till I put that last word on the last page, it don't mean nothing. So you know,
0: it's 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 so interesting. You know, everybody has a different way of of doing it and, and different philosophy. But there is a school of thought that says uh, that that what you just said is a is a a ticket to never finishing it because mm-hmm. it's never going to be perfect. It's impossible. Mm-hmm. You're always going to find it, and and it's that that's that old adage, old writing adage of you know, work is never finished; it's just abandoned. Mm-hmm. Um, And I, you know, so it's interesting, but like, this is clearly, you can tell this is, this is precious to you, this particular project, because like at, at some point with, with some, with, you know, just generally any piece of writing, you know, I have found that the best way to get forward, if I'm, if I'm not feeling a hundred percent right, but I'm above like 85%, Mm -hmm. uh, because if it's lower than that, then I'm stuck and I have to figure out what's wrong. And you just right, said right. you got to—you fi- probably screwed up somewhere already. Right. And that's that's you know I'll go back and figure out what I don't like. But if it's like you know, well, it's close, but I, uh, it just push forward. Yeah, because yeah. because a lot of times what I have found is that eventually you're going to figure out what it was, mm-hmm. and something is going to click, and you're going to go, oh, this person has no agency. Yeah, that's the issue. I need to put this thing that I yeah. discovered that they wanted to do in chapter seven back and hint at it in chapter one. Right. Well, and that's, that's, that's why, exactly. you know, authors that's seem exactly. like they're. that's why we, we seem like we're smarter than we are because, <laughs> you know, it's, it's not that every little detail is planned out, but, but as you go and you look at the thing as a whole, you know, even if you're on chapter 37, you know, I'm looking at 37 chapters all right. at once. Right. So right. you can keep going back in until you hit that right. submit button um, and you're like, okay, this, this thing I just thought of now, but I know the exact places in this book that yeah. I'm going to work in a little, little hint, a little seed. <laughs> so then it's like, oh my God, I'm so good. I've been building towards this for the whole beginning.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, there's absolutely those moments where you go through and screw something in that wasn't there originally on the page. Oh yeah. Um, But yeah, no, this is, and then that is something to be very aware of because I see it happen to a lot of people and it's people that they, they, they do want perfection. And though I did use that term, it's not really how I feel. I don't believe there's ever a moment that is perfect, but it's kind of one of those things where whenever I go back to reread it and realize that, ah, I know how to make this better. It's like, I can't just not go back and fix it. And so the problem is, is that I keep learning what I did wrong. Mm -hmm. And so I have to go back and rewrite it until I'm happy with it. Now, uh, one of the big things that actually happened here recently, and I still haven't quite figured out how I want to fix it, is that I had a character that was kind of stealing the spotlight in a couple places. And so it's one of those things that it was causing my main character to be a passenger more than a driving force. And I think that was one of the things I realized here recently is that it was getting split, it was getting fractured too much between this character that I just adored writing and this character that's the main character. Because the main character you have to have grounded in a certain amount, they have to have their faults that you know eventually you hope that they overcome or at least that they learn how to deal with. You know, I mean, that's, mm. that's storytelling in general, but the thing is, is that because with a side character you don't have to have those same sort of rules they don't have to learn any lessons they don't have to do anything so they they have a lot more freedom in in things that they can do so he became kind of my conduit for everything that i wanted to do that was kind of like i didn't need him to be tied down and he kind of became more and more my favorite one to write yeah and so before i realized it, i was like "Ah, i have put my main guy on the shelf here and i've got this other (laughs) side character running the show I was like, I gotta go back and fix this. I gotta you know, go back and
0: fix this. That that just reminds me. I don't know if you ever watched uh Buffy the Vampire Slayer, but oh, yeah. um Yeah. But uh James Marsters has uh come out uh and said uh, <coughs> he's, he's told stories about how um you know, because there's more and more stories about Joss Whedon being not the greatest guy on I set. I've heard
1: but, that, yeah. Uh
0: so there, you know, he he had he had said that uh Joss really um didn't like the way that Spike was getting so popular, mm-hmm. and he effectively couldn't kill him. The, yeah. the channel wouldn't let him do it. Right, and uh, and his whole thing was that it's like, uh, no, vampires are supposed to be bad. We already have Angel; he's the one good one. I can't have another good vampire. Vampires are supposed to be, you know, things that Buffy just kills and overcomes. And right. there. allegories for things you deal with as a kid, and and right. they're evil; they're bad. You just overcome them, and and uh, it it's just a very interesting very raw example of that of the side character taking over and becoming too popular too big too loved uh it is it is really interesting when that happens i mean
1: it's it's one of those things that there's a few things in storytelling that you see very often and it's usually whenever you're looking back at like movies or shows and things like that most people don't Look at the main character and go. That's my favorite character. In nope. the yeah, hundred percent in the movie because they're a lot 100%. of times the vehicle that you're hanging the story on, and so you can get a little wild and a little fun with a side character that you can't that you just the rules don't apply yes. to. So that's why a lot of times people look back and they're like, "Oh yeah, I love this character," but it's never the main character. It's Never the main character. You're right. Usually, I often yes. hate main characters because they're they're usually so formulaic. It's it's more often that if I'm watching a TV show, I hate the main guy, but I'm there for the side character.
0: Man, you you just uh, man, I have always always (laughs) been right there with you. And as a kid, I sort of didn't really understand why that kept being true. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, when I started to write stuff, um, I did realize that it's exactly what you just said. The main character is there to to shoulder the 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 responsibility of telling the story, Mm -hmm. and they have to. You know, a good main character will have a very three dimensional arc, right? Um, right, and sometimes that is enough to win you over and to make you love them. But I don't think anybody's favorite character in Harry Potter is Harry Potter. I mean, I, you know, <laughs> so I mean, I mean, you know, but I mean, it is true of almost everything that I could mention. Now, now, in something where it's like. Uh, something like Conan something like the crow right, something right. where there is you know you are there for the main character a comic right. book is like that so so, so there are exceptions to well, it yeah, of course I mean the hero is still the hero right. at the end of the day but a sim- and if they,
1: if they Ense- save
0: the day yeah you
1: know.
0: but ensemble un- ensemble things are just different if the cast is a little bit bigger you know it's yeah never never do I like the main <laughs> character ever um, very interesting <laughs> Yeah, I mean
1: a prime example. of, I don't know why this is the one example that popped in my head. <laughs> but did you ever watch uh, the TV show Silicon Valley? I did not. Okay, well you're missing out. It's definitely okay. worth your time. <laughs> um, it, it's it's one of those things. Hang on, let me. I don't want to. It's been a minute since I've seen the characters. So I don't want to forget the names here. Okay, so the main guy in this, uh, well, just. For those of you that haven't seen it, first of all, watch it. I swear it seems like it's complete and total like nerd whatever, but <laughs> I promise once you get into this show, it is one of the funniest things ever. It's it's Mike Judge. I mean, you, you know, you're in good hands when you got Mike Judge. Sure. Um, but either way, uh, the main character is, is named Richard and everybody, it's kind of like one of those things where everybody in every fan base, if you go on our subreddit, something like that, everybody hates Richard. <laughs> so, <laughs> but every other side character in that is yeah. like steals every moment of every scene. So um, that's, that's one of the prime examples of that I've seen because it's like, he is hated main character. Like people just, I, every scene he's in is just like the cringiest worst moments but, but he, that actor is very good. But God, that character is hard to watch sometimes. But every other character,
0: hysterical. Please watch that show. <laughs> so he's like the uh, Skyler. Yeah, he, he's the Skyler White of the show.
1: Yeah, and you know that's—I tell you—that's one of the things that I, I've always taken problem with is the hate on Skyler White you know i get that she was not like the most fun for his plans but everybody kind of forgets that walter white is an absolutely horrible human being (laughs) and her big thing was that she was not a fan of that and so it's like how dare her not want her husband to be this giant
0: meth kingpin and it's like you know, I don't think she deserves the hate she's getting. You know, you. it's, it's all about being a tight <laughs> ass. Uh, so, you know, I'm going to compare this. I I'm gonna, I may, I may blow your mind with this. Okay, okay. possible. I'm going to compare this character to a very different character that okay. I think the fans treat the same way. And that is Cyclops from the X-Men. Interesting. What, you, what is your, co- okay. What's the link? Because here? he's a tight ass. That's the problem <laughs> with Cyclops. See, I love Cyclops. Okay. But I, I go back. I mean, he's not my favorite. He's never going to be even one of my top five X-Men. Right. But going back to like the 80s, I read Uncanny all through the 80s, okay? Okay. Okay. And uh, in, in those years, you learned a lot about Cyclops. After Jean Grey first died, Mm -hmm. he left the team he went on a walkabout he really just walked the earth by himself they would check in with him every like five or six issues he would get like part of an issue and it was great he i remember there was one issue he was like dealing with like man thing and it was just so random they they just used him to tell these random stories and it was great but the point was that his whole character was based around Everybody else can fuck around with the rules and bend the yeah. rules and be the cool characters, but he is the one who's playing by the rules. He right. is the leader. Right. He has right. to, he has to shoulder that burden. So yeah. he's the one making, not that Skylar was the, the leader of anything, but she was the mom. She had a, a house to like hold together. Yeah. And I mean, so did, so did Cyclops. He, he had to rule really, like shoulder like the that. burden of a lot, I And like but it's at the expense of people liking him. You know, yeah. there's nothing bad about Cyclops. The people who don't like him just think he's a dick yeah. and think he's just too much right. of a tight ass. And but that's know, just so unfair. I, I, yeah, yeah. No, there's
1: and that's 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 fair. That's a that's a fair assessment. Um, And it's not to say that, you know, there's there's not like one episode where I'm like, oh, my favorite Skylar White moment. You know, <laughs> there's, there's not there's not like a memorable Skylar White line. Sure, sure, She's, yeah. She is a she is a character that plays that part. And yeah. I don't think that I mean, honestly, it's one of those that you could have been played by anybody and not that she didn't do a fantastic job. But um, I just don't I don't think the hate that she gets is appropriate. I, I think that her character fit exactly what it was supposed to be, which is in some ways it was the the old life that Walt used to have. <laughs> and because we know Walt is this super powered, like super brain. Yeah. We're, still, we're just like, quit writing on the phone, bomb. That's, right, that's it. it. That's
0: it. And that's what Cyclops did. He'd come <laughs> yeah. in to be like, he'd be like Wolverine, stop being awesome. <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly. It's and that. the reader's like, you exactly. fucking dick i was having fun watching wolverine exactly. be awesome yeah that's all i wanted to watch anyways when i was growing up is watch what was wolverine doing i didn't care what everybody else was doing that's all i cared
0: what's wolverine doing oh man yes it's it's totally totally funny um however the uh the the hate that uh nickelback gets is uh entirely proportional. <laughs> uh entirely proportional
1: let me tell you i'll get on that road too i there's i'm not saying nickelback is the best but if there are some songs of theirs that you don't catch yourself humming along and tapping foot, you're a liar because there's they've got some stuff in there that you actually will enjoy. I don't care who you are. It's memorable. It's fun. It's comforting. Like there's one of those times that I was, I just had it on a random station playing on something and I, I was like, who is this? I was like, holy crap, it's Nickelback. I was like, I don't even care. i was like, this, uh, this song's amazing. I can't even remember what it was. But it just like it struck me as so weird because I had gotten caught up in that hate that you know that meme that is the the Nickelback hate, and I'd forgotten there's actually
0: some songs that I like. All right, well, well, all right. There's got to be a universal thing you can get on board with. Up, uh, I don't know Carol Baskin. Can we agree on Carol Baskin at least? Well, I mean, she definitely killed her husband. If that's what you're asking. I mean, I mean, her full name is that bitch Carol
1: Baskin. <laughs> hey, here's a cool story. I met um, the Tiger King. Uh, really? Yeah, he's, uh, uh, okay, so I live in, in Denton now, um, which if you throw a rock from Denton North, you hit Oklahoma. Um, it's not that far. So when I started dating my fiance, one of the very first things she told me she wanted to do, she was like, well, there's this park that's like a couple hours north of here, and it you can go in and you can pet tigers and stuff. And I was like, yeah, sure, that sounds like a cool time. I'm on a yeah, you know, very early date with my fiance. Of course, yeah. we were boyfriend girlfriend at the yeah. time. But I thought, what a what a kind of odd thing. So there's there's picture of me with like one of his tigers and stuff. Oh, um, but yeah, he came out and <clears> that that show. You think, man, that show. He sure is. That they may be no. He's toned down in that show. He's insane. He's absolutely (laughs) batshit. One of the things that I wish I still had that we bought while we were there in his gift shop where that scene, that that iconic, I'm never going to financially recover from this. That's their gift shop on the way out. Yeah, They used to sell condoms with his picture on them. This is how big of a ridiculous narcissist he had. We bought them as jokes and gave them out. If we had known that there was going to be a stupid TV show and he was going to become this famous whatever, we could have kept those things and sold them for sure. We had no idea. That's we the just, best. And he came out and he ranted and raved about Carol Baskins back then. And I had no idea who the hell he was talking about.
0: That's because he didn't use her full name.
1: No, he no he still that called bitch it Carol that bitch Baskin. Carol Baskins and I was I had no idea because there was no TV show. I didn't yeah. Well. But he was just like
0: I'm that bitch Carol Baskins, and he's walking around and he's fussing. So about you're me. telling me, Keith, you're telling me that you were there and you actually in person <coughs> witnessed Joe Exotic back in the day just <laughs> randomly bitching about that bitch Carol Baskin. <laughs> this actually <laughs> happened.
1: This is really who he was, dude. He would that, tell anybody and everybody. Like, okay, I'll tell you another
0: part. Of that, this might story. The, that might be the that might beat the Bruce Campbell stuff. It, that, it, that's <laughs> up there. That's 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 insane. <laughs> well, we had no idea because you know he just he just seemed like a
1: crazy, and you know yeah. at the time he was there was no TV show. He was just he was just one of those guys. You know, that's just like, oh man, this dude he's he hasn't been in public enough. He's, he doesn't <laughs> have any sort of like idea that he's this crazy he, he thinks he's this genius yeah and, uh, so you know my fiance and I we had a, we had laughs about it we would talk about you know we'd laugh kind of ah, ha, ha. and then um it was it wasn't too much later than that that all of a sudden we heard about uh him going to jail and we thought what he went to jail I was like I wonder I was like because <laughs> when he was there he told us all sorts of like it was. He would go out there. We were all in this little like it was like a bull pit. Like uh, uh it was kind of like a, a, a st- some stands with a a, a a big fence in front of it. And he, yeah, was like sure. Page walking <clears throat> around, and he was like, he was like, yeah, he can't do this, and he can't do that because those damn Peter people do this, and that bitch Carol Baskin, is dead. And we're <laughs> oh all sitting at each other like, what in the hell is he talking about? and he just ranted and ranted and ranted and then eventually you know he took us through the 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 park and you know he walks through the park with you and he points out all the stuff well the thing is is that i was having the absolute worst uh, intestinal turbulence uh which is what we jokingly call diarrhea and so every time i had to go to the bathroom i was like hey i gotta go to the bathroom which was back in that gift shop well because of the paranoia they had of people loose on their park they had to have somebody walk you from that thing to the bathroom every time because they couldn't let stragglers out of what? the park. so i ended up getting escorted by one of the other people that was in the show i can't remember which one it was but i can't remember his name but he's like one of the big prominent names in the uh in the
0: show oh my and god
1: he actually like walked me to the bathroom multiple times
0: oh my, my god my stomach was so messed up Chief, this this is this is the greatest uh uh, we, we call our fans the Retroids. Retroids, you have just heard the the world's greatest <laughs> anecdote following the most random accidental segue of all time. <laughs> that was that was real and totally unplanned. By the way, yeah. Uh, let, me, let me send you something while you're doing this here. I I did um I did actually see. So the other guy on the show, that guy Doc Doc Antle or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So I'm in Massachusetts. And we have a pretty big Renaissance fair that Mm -hmm. is uh, is is down, as we say, down the Cape, which is, of course, a reference to Cape Cod, which, Mm -hmm. of course, Mm -hmm. nobody knows if if you're not from Massachusetts. I'll do the (laughs) accent for you a little bit if you want. (laughs) Um, But yeah, uh, down by the cranberry bogs. You know, down there, down there. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so Doc Antle and his uh, folks from Tigers were there every year at at, uh, Mm -hmm. King Richard's Fair. And a little shout out uh, for uh, local Massachusetts people who remember seeing the Tigers and we even saw the Liger, which (laughs) later, later I realized was in like a ton of movies, including Ace Ventura 2, When Nature Calls. And uh, there's a scene where in the beginning of that movie, where Ace Ventura is doing, well, the, it starts out with a parody of a cliffhanger and he's like trying to save the raccoon, like in the Stallone Right, movie. right, right. <laughs> right. But then he goes back to his uh, apartment and his monkey, I think his name's Spike, actually, from the first Spike, one. Yeah. He's there. But then all these other animals come out of the woodworks mm-hmm. and he does this like song and he's like, oh, yeah, he's yeah. just like the god of nature. Right, right. And there is Doc Antle's Liger right there in the middle of that shot. it's the liger he only (laughs) had like the one because they're not super easy to make no no really okay so sorry for everybody
1: that can't see this but i just sent you on facebook Mm. picture and this is actually a tu liger so it was a liger that had been uh mated with a tiger so it is a tu liger um cub that i'm holding in this picture i just sent you (laughs) And that is, that is literally Joe exotics Teliger that I'm holding in this (laughs) picture. Oh my God, that is, this is great.
0: Um, If you wanted
1: to add pictures and things to whatever, this is.
0: This is is going to happen. Yeah, no, it's getting added for sure. This is, uh, when we, when we post this episode, this, uh, this, uh, this picture is absolutely going in there. You're you're going to see, I mean,
1: now you see me with this long hair and beard, but you'll see that that was like when I had short hair and. Clean shaven. So I look like a completely different human being, but um <laughs> it's <was> definitely me. <laughs> that
0: that uh tiger cub is just cute as hell. That the, the tie yeah. <laughs> uh, very, very cool. Yeah, they had some really cool selective breeding, you know, due to selective breeding specimens. they're there are various tigers. I remember they had a, a few different ones that I had never heard of or seen before. It was very interesting, it was always a good show. It was always a big show. They did <coughs> it like two or three times a day. Um at, at the Renaissance fair. And it was, mm-hmm. it was always a big deal. And doc Antle was always there, but he never talked. He was always just back there. Kind of, right, he was right. just the guy with the ponytail. Right. <clears throat> they always had a, he always had a, a, a various ladies would always take the, Oh, uh, that doesn't stage. surprise me at all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I remember, I mean, I'm talking back when I was like, uh, like a young kid. I mean, I, I yeah. saw, I, I used to go there every year and we'd see, we'd see them there every year for 10 years uh, right right. anyway just kind of funny when i found out that he was on that show anyway we spent way too much time talking about tiger king all because of that bitch carol Bastin. <laughs> that Bitch! <laughs> um, you know so- they
1: just put a they just put a second season out of that show right i haven't been able to bring myself to watch it yet but i know i'm going to i've, I've got seen- that connection
0: to be perfectly honest, I've seen like two episodes of the show. But it's uh, but my my wife and uh, youngest daughter are currently going through it, but um, <laughs> it's kind of funny. So let's let's uh, you know, we've been on we've been on talking for a while now. Let's no, let's, right. let's talk. I just want to just a real quick mention. We don't have to talk about it long, but uh, there was an episode of the first creep show that uh the mm-hmm. first season of the new creep show mm-hmm. i should say greg nicotero's ever since he bought mm-hmm. creep show and made it his thing um you wrote uh this this so it's the first half because every episode has like two short stories right. so right. season one episode four the first part it's called the companion Correct. and from what i understand this is actually based on a story that you and your sister casey mm-hmm. wrote when you were kids
1: mm-hmm. yeah so uh, when we were when i was 12 which would have made my sister eight. Um, Dad oh so this approach- was when you were
0: 12. Yeah this was this, this literally, literally was 12. This
1: literally was when I was 12. <laughs> okay. Um so um they they approached dad and it was it was a complete collection of writers and their kids tell spooky stories or something along those lines. Oh I think that's so fun. That. Um so it, it was it was literally these you know kind of well-known horror writers but then with their, with their kids. Now, um, dad was always really good about making sure that we, you know, it wasn't just sticking our name on it. Like we did this thing. And um, it was, it was kind of one of those things where dad made sure that our pacing made sense. And he kept us kind of like, you know, okay, well, what do we want to say here? What do we want to do here? And he made sure we were on track. Um, so, you, you know, I mean, of a 12 year old and eight year old tell the story, they're awful. Um, because they have no they have no concept of pacing or tone or you know what i mean like they're they're just
0: terrible at everything they suck at life they they are they're just
1: completely worthless they just eat and and shit that's all they do um so suck the life out of you that's all they do (laughs) and eat and shit so anyways though but yeah he was really good about letting us making sure we we weren't just you know you know putting our name on them yeah. we, we earned it yeah and it was kind of a fun little story it was the it was one of my very first it actually isn't my very first my very first i was like four years old when i wrote my very first story about voice. um because i was also awful back then too but uh, <laughs> luckily dad listened to me tell this ridiculous story but that's a completely different thing so this is this isn't my very first uh story um but this was this was something that we were really happy with we told this story um they actually made us like lightened it up some because ours came out so dark yeah uh, but like i said we were i was watching things like evil dead at that age so, <laughs> at four was, yeah, yeah I exactly <laughs> i think i actually saw evil Dead when i was like six or seven by the wow. way so yeah wow. uh, but anyways the uh um uh, the story that came out we were really happy with it uh but then yeah all these years later uh they came and they were like hey we were going to use the companion for our first season and we were like oh wow that's <laughs> exciting so uh, yeah this little goofy story that we we told you know thirty something years ago or yeah. what twenty something i don't whatever whatever the the years add up to be um but yeah it was yeah. Uh, it was kind of a cool little thing since I, super I was super cool. a creep show and, and super cool
0: around. yeah creep show man, I was so excited when I found out that not only was it being resurrected but it was nero mm-hmm. um i mean just just really really cool um but yeah, so this was this was definitely one of my favorite episodes of the season um, yeah. for sure. And part of that was because we had a memorable monster
1: that mm-hmm. was a,
0: the, the scarecrow was really yeah. cool. now was 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 the design of that um, described in the story much or did mm-hmm. they kind of just make yeah it...
1: No, no the, um, the only thing that actually changed like the jawbone from the and stuff. story.
0: yeah, the only thing that,
1: that really changed from the story to the other um, is that in the uh, uh, the creep show, and this is because you know creep shows got got a very specific formula where it's kind of uh, the getter gets got you know what I mean like yes um, wherever yeah. the whoever the, the worst person in the story is it always ends up yeah it's deserving
0: yeah it's not you know, and I think that that's that's one of the things I liked is the yeah. uh, it sort of makes it not mean-spirited yeah that's exactly so um, to, to give
1: that opportunity to make a creep show version in the original story that we wrote, this boar chases this kid into this field and he finds this scarecrow out there hanging with the, with the, uh, uh Valentine's heart. Oh, instead they of they the, uh, the Stephen there. King bully. But yeah. So instead we were like, Oh, well, uh, well they, I, I had no input mm-hmm. on this, but, um, the, the bully that chases the, the kid there instead that's
0: that specifically, that's a, so they can set it up for that creep show format. You know, it it's it's. I swear to God, it's going to sound like I'm blowing smoke up your ass, but uh, that was the one part of the story I didn't like because <laughs> there, I I can't. I don't know. It's it's. It just brought me right back to it, yeah. and uh, I was I've never been a fan of Stephen King's bullies. It's, His bullies are so I hyperbolic. I, I cannot. They're
1: so trope. You know. I mean, that's oh. the problem with it. It's like the bully's a bully because he's a bully. And it's like, yeah, you know, um, there are times that it works. I mean, you know, stuff like the bullies in Stand By Me, you know, uh, you want to talk about
0: Stephen King bullies. Those, Those guys are just like, the worst like <laughs> oh, mean, i don't know man i mean the freaking henry bowers is gonna carve his name into That's what into... i mean by by worst. i don't mean like bad experience i mean like these seem like
1: some bad dudes like yeah they're... these are psychopaths yeah, like they're... i've known bullies i've yeah, been they... bullied like this That's is what I mean, not man. what happened I, i'm singing the praises of that one because they're so memorable and they're so like they're actually legitimately creepy i mean the the going to see a dead body, the leeches, all that sort of stuff, those bullies are legitimate. Like yeah, they, they, they really scare the hell out of you in that moment where he's having that big moment where he's standing up to him and stuff. Yeah, like if you don't know the story, you're like, man, this could really go either way.
0: Screw you, Kiefer Sutherland. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah yeah man uh yeah well yeah the, i definitely agree that the bullies in that one are better but yeah so anyway the so it was a bore in the original story yeah instead it was of a bore the, uh... in the original yeah oh, interesting but well anyway so that that's cool that just came out of nowhere i was i was wondering how that came about like how did they find <laughs> this old story that you wrote when you were a little we kid? knew
1: greg nicotero before anybody else really did i mean obviously he had a name but the walking dead put him on the map um he sure. was the science he was the uh, special effects guy for dad's um uh, episode of masters of horror um called uh, incident on and off a of mountain road you ever heard of that one
0: yeah yeah i've seen that one that was the the moon face that was coscarelli that's
1: absolutely. that was coscarelli, was coscarelli. Was coscarelli. But, that's yeah, episode got, one that's that's it is absolutely good call um but yeah the person who does the special effects for that is it's great so I didn't realize that part. Yeah. And that's because nobody knew who Greg Nicotero was back then. Um, so that was my first meeting of him. He was there on set doing all the special effects and I met him and it was like, Hey, this is Greg Nicotero. But that was, that was just as big a name as anybody else back then. So, it was wow. like, oh, cool. and then wow. all these years later, dad and, and Nicotero have kept in touch and Nicotero was blown up because of the walking dead and all <laughs> that sort of stuff. But yeah, I'm, I met him
0: way back then. <laughs> really, really cool. You know, so that's interesting because I mean, I, I mean, so for the people who don't realize like Nicotero has been at it since, I mean, his big company that he doesn't have anymore. They split up as K and B was his big company, but Mm. before K and B, he was on evil dead two. I think evil dead two was one of his earliest movies, I believe. And I'm not sure that was, that was what? 82, 83. What was, what was evil dead two? I I, I mean, it's, it's a long time ago. Yeah. So, so, so for you to say that no, you felt you feel like he was an unknown sort of a name in the public consciousness anyway. By the time that Masters yeah, of mean, Horror rolled there's, around, there's,
1: there's different tiers of that. I'm too. not. I'm not, not saying, saying, you're, wrong. Yeah, I'm not saying you're
0: wrong. I'm just. I think it's interesting. Yeah. That's your. That's your perception. I'm trying to think now of where I, when I became aware of him, because now, wow. of course, now of course, and you're right. It's it definitely The Walking Dead. But yeah. I feel like See, I knew I, him I think of that. it more as
1: like the way the common person. The, yeah, uh, the, like sure. The,
0: it's somebody who's not in the
1: business. You not know? a freak, yeah. Yeah, because uh. because honestly, there's still people. Like, like you can walk up to people right now and go, hey, do you know Greg Terra is? And they'll be like, I have no idea. But yeah. if you have anybody that's like at least a fan of The Walking Dead, they might be like, yeah, yeah, I, I know that. Because, you know, he's on enough interviews and things like that that somebody may have come across him. Yeah. But I don't mean people in the business. I don't mean oh no, I, mean, I know you, you like, mean the general. I mean like the yeah. general public. Sure, the time he became famous, Walking Dead. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, yeah. No, I he's
0: been around for he's been around for decades. For, oh, oh, I know. No, I I'm not. Yeah, I'm not contradicting anything. I'm just it's interesting <laughs> to me that that I'm just trying to wrap my brain around and trying to remember. Did I know who he was at the time of Masters of Horror? Because now that seems ludicrous. But I think you're right. I probably didn't know who he was at that point because that was that was like 2000 or 2002, three. It was early 2000s, yeah, something like that. Something yeah. like that. And uh, oh, there were there were some excellent episodes of of uh, Masters of Horror. Uh, that that was a that was a great one though. Stu- Stuart Gordon did a great one. John Carpenter uh, did probably my favorite one, Cigarette Burns. Um, what what an awesome show that was! I I was so pumped yeah. on that,
1: that it, it was last. a really good one. It was I mean it was really fun. I got to be on the set for that one too. So, oh cool! Um, yeah, it was. Actually- oh yeah, Angus
0: Scrim. Angus Scrim's in yeah. that episode.
1: He is in that episode. Absolutely. Um, he's probably the worst part of that episode, to be honest. <laughs>
0: Oh, don't, you can't talk back about Angus Scrimm. No, like about not him that.
1: personally. I'm not. Personally. <laughs> no, don't get me wrong. Um, I just, you know, everything with his character, just that little, oh God, man, please
0: put it, put it back. He is one yeah. of those guys, man. He, I, it, it's. To a degree I feel this way about Bruce Campbell sometimes too. It's like even when he's doing wrong, he can do no wrong for me. <laughs> it's okay.
1: I, I get it. I get it. No, no no disrespect there.
0: Real real quick one. Uh what was the Oh shit. Now I I I almost had the name in my head. It's Moon something. Do you ever see the movie it's Bruce and Angus Scrim. It was like a uh Fangoria movie. They like produced it in the 90s. Oh my god!
1: I miss this one. I don't what know. was I don't it called?
0: Uh, my, no, it's called Mind Warp. Mind Warp.
1: I've heard of it, never seen. And it. And Bruce
0: is not the lead. The lead is this woman, and uh, she goes out, and it's kind of like this Mad Max world, and uh, it's it's cool. She's like plugged into the Matrix, basically. They all the huh. like, all the well to do people just plug themselves into the Matrix because the world is just fucked. So she decides that she she decides that uh, she's sick of it and she wants to go experience something real. So she goes outside and it's like Mad Max and she runs into a gang of Mad Max guys and uh, almost gets, you know, probably raped, killed and eaten in that order. And uh, (laughs) I mean, maybe not in that order. Um and then and then is that a good uh, order? I don't know. I, I was just trying to think. Is that what's what's worse? Um and then she she gets rescued by Bruce Campbell and uh okay. and then they go underground and Angus Scrim has this underground uh sort of world and it's a cool flick. Check it out. Like look at look it up. Uh what a Mind, weird one. No, I, I,
1: I didn't I missed that one completely somehow.
0: Yeah, probably because uh, it was in the nineties and I was in high school. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, but all right, so let's let's just talk about uh a project that you told me you were, you're very excited about it. you're working on it. It's been something that you're, you're, you're putting a lot of energy into and that's the projectionist.
1: Yeah. So. Uh,
0: and let's, let's end on the projectionist. Let's okay. uh, this is our last hurrah and uh, we'll wrap it up. But yeah. So, so tell us about this. I know. So I'll tell you what I, what, what I've okay. been able to surmise. Yeah. Okay. This is based on a short story that your dad wrote. Uh, which appeared in the anthology in sunlight or in in shadow stories inspired by the paintings of Edward Hopper. I know Mm -hmm. Stephen King has a story in that book as well. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, not to keep bringing him up. I actually prefer your dad just (laughs) saying, Uh, but uh, what can you tell us about the projectionist?
1: So this was, this was another one of those things where um, we wanted to do a script off of dad's short story. And it was kind of my real, like, I'm going to try to do something that I really have kind of a vision for sort of thing. It was it was something that this would be my type of, no, I don't want to tell it that way. Let's tell it a different way. <laughs> Remember previously when I was telling you about genres that I like that don't exist anywhere else, like getting older sucks? Yep. Uh, this is another genre that you see a lot, which is mental health and loneliness. Okay. And you'll see some very good examples of that. Like, Taxi Driver is a prime example of mental health and loneliness, or like and- the lighthouse. Yeah. Okay. That's a, that's another good one. Cold there, there's, skin. There's a million of them. I mean, the thing is, yeah. is that when uh, all my little made up genres, once you start thinking about them, you're like, oh, there's a lot of things yeah. that are in that. Um, yeah. Because I think that those are more fun or more accurate genres for what the story is about. Because now if I say horror, it could be a million things. Sure. But if I say, if I tell you something, oh, this is about getting older sex, you know exactly what it's about. If I tell you this is about mental health and loneliness, you know exactly what it's about. Um, so this right. is my this is my taxi driver. This is my mental health and loneliness. And it's about this guy <laughs> who's a an old school film projector who is is kind of like a forgotten guy who he, he's he he means well, but as the story goes on, you realize that there's there's a lot more layers to this onion. He is like he, he's very troubled, but he's got some other things going on that are are pushing him in a direction that he really doesn't want to end up down but due to those influence and i'm i am staying as completely away from everything because this one i don't want to spoil yeah because this the big problem with this is that this one doesn't exist yet This yeah is don't spoil that, the thing
0: before it comes yeah out. <laughs> yeah so
1: we haven't even filmed it yet but dad's going to be directing it which this will be dad's directing debut which wow. is a big deal
0: very cool um
1: uh, we've got Uh, We have some real interest behind it. We've got some money behind it. Um, They, they send me a check repeatedly and then some, we have some meetings and then we don't hear anything for a little while. And then we think, well, that'll be the end of it. But then it pops back up again and we think, okay, they're still doing this. We're still doing this. Um, So we're, we're really excited about it. Dad is like, he calls me from time to time now. And he's like, I think it for this shot. We got this and we got this. And I'm like, yeah, that's fantastic. Like there was something that we just, we just watched uh, uh, the new live action Cowboy Bebop, which don't get me started on that because I, I loved it. I'm sure there's people out there that hated it, but there was a scene in that, that dad was like, I was thinking that this sort of idea, I was like, that's genius let's do that so i know that i know he's he's already got this thing directing in his head he's nice he's just waiting on somebody to turn him loose um so it's mostly just trying to find a good cast we're happy with uh-huh. and then you know once we do that then kind of some filming locations and then it's going to happen it is yet another one of those projects that we got all set up to do and and covid showed up and so Luckily, the guys with the money have not abandoned us because of it. They have stuck with us. Yeah, that's um, and good. We are just, we are regrouping. We're coming out on the other side of it. And we definitely are excited to see this thing made. And I've already done all my part. I wrote this thing years ago now. Yeah. Um, so I just, uh, I just am, am there when every time dad's like, well, we may have to do some more <laughs> with this one character. If you add some more, no, I, I will, I will. If we're ever going to actually film this thing, I will do that. I will do that. <laughs> um, but it, it's it's in a, it's in a uh, perpetual state of almost, Um, but God, I'm so excited about it. Like if that one gets made that I will be very happy because I, 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 even though it is another one of those, that's, that's from dad's inspiration story. Mm -hmm. I, I know how much of the heavy lifting I did to tell that story. yeah, And so it is definitely my contribution. I am, Oh, I am yeah. very excited about it. And getting to see Dad have his director debut and everything like that, which I, I, I jokingly get to say, because I got to direct that trailer for Christmas of the Dead, that mm-hmm. the remake that never got made, was so like I got to direct something before Dad did. Um, but <laughs> this is uh, this, You beat him to it. I did. It was it's the only thing, God knows that man's done everything else in the universe. Um, so yeah, it's one of those things that uh but I'm really excited because He's never directed before, but I, I can tell right now he's he's chomping at the bit. He is ready to put this thing in film. I I, I talk to him every time, and he is just so excited about it. So I am too, man. I I, I really really want to see this thing. Oh made. man, I'm
0: I'm excited too. I, I I can't wait for it to happen. I hope it does. Like this sounds freaking awesome. That's I mean that's that's such a great high concept, just kernel of an idea, and that's mm-hmm. that's the sort of thing that you know if you can build a story around this like really good single concept, you're a talented writer. You're, you're able to do it. Uh, there are definitely uh, times where I've, I've been able to do it and felt like, wow, I can't believe I started with this one thing. And there are other ideas that are still in the shelf on the shelf. Just uh, like, no, I just have this idea. I have no story. I have no idea. <laughs> so that's, that's okay. We got this loneliness, you know, we, we, the loneliness of the long distance projectionists. Right? Yeah. That's what we're dealing with. Yeah. Yeah. Just, uh, so speaking of the casting, you know, you're you're trying to find out, uh, figure out what what the best casting choices are at this point, like who's gonna be who. So let me ask this question. Um, have you considered Bruce Campbell? <laughs> You know what? I'm going to tell
1: you something. We've actually thrown his name around for one of the characters in there. Um, we, we, we he may end up showing that, and if so, I'll finally get to check off that I wrote something that Bruce Campbell's in. So um, that is a that is a box that I would love to check, as I mentioned even earlier. And so it could happen. Um, there's some there's some fantastic characters in this that yeah. somebody like Bruce would just
0: just kill <laughs> if if he could do it. Oh. It make my day. If anyone can do it, Bruce can. Uh, that's that's awesome, Keith. Uh, man, it has been a hell of a pleasure to have you on. Like Thank this has so been much. really, really great, really fun talk. New. Uh, thanks again for coming on. I appreciate you having me. Oh man. Uh, is there anything else just uh you'd like to promo? Any 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 where people can find you or anything that you're selling? Anything yeah, to hawk? I'm, I'm- <laughs> hawk away. Um-
1: yeah, I mean, I'm on all the socials, um, you know, Twitter, Facebook, uh, Instagram. It's just Keith Lansdell on there, which uh, Lansdell only has one D in it, for those of you that may or may not know. Uh, and Keith is E-I, not I-E. But otherwise, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty easy to find. i I, I checked my socials pretty regular, so if you got something you want to add, shoot me a message. I'll, I'll, I'll respond. I'm, I'm on there, just like old Bruce was back in the day. I do all my own stunts. There so. you go.
0: <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Nice, love it. Uh, do you have any other copies uh, laying around the house, or of uh, like big um, lizard or anything?
1: Uh, big over? lizard? No, I, I sold all my big lizards actually when when I did that that push, and you, and you were one of the ones that got them. Um, oh, cool. Whether or not I get another batch or not is hard to say. I've still got some other stuff that I need to sell that I've kind of been sitting on a shelf for so long that it's kind of getting to the point where I'm like, ah, it's not doing me any good just sitting here. I may as well try to sell it. So um, I'm, I may try to sell that. Plus I just get extra copies of dad's stuff and things like that sometimes. Yeah. So, um, you know, I've put a couple sales out. I moved this year, so everything got put in boxes. And as I unpack, I realize I'm like, why don't I have five copies of the same book? So, <laughs> so, so as I've been going through and organizing, I've been actually selling some of my extra copies of things. Um, yeah, but yeah, so, I mean, it'll 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 pay
0: it pays off to follow you on social media, it is does, basically what it we're does. saying. Yeah. Exactly. So if you're interested, uh just just uh check him out, follow Keith. And uh, if uh, anything comes up, he finds a box full of random shit that he doesn't need. <laughs> you might, might be able to buy
1: some of that yeah, shit. It's yeah, going to be awesome. He's gonna, I'm, I'm really lucky that dad and I both have bad memories. So he'll give me a book. He's like, do I have, give you a copy of this one already? I don't know. So I got nine of them now. So. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, Keith, that's a, that's not just a bad memory that, that you may, you may have a problem.
1: <coughs> oh, that's, that's
0: <laughs> Okay. You may need to get that checked out. I can't dis-
1: disagree with
0: that. Totally <laughs> oh man! All right. Well, thanks again for coming on. It's been fun. Retroids, thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this uh, this episode of the Brig, and I hope you guys check out Big Lizard and Creep Show, and uh, you know maybe someday Christmas with the Dead version two, three, and or four. Definitely, <laughs> definitely go rent The Pale Door right now. You can check it out on Prime and various other streaming services there's a lot of good stuff out there. I uh hope you have a great night and we will catch you on the flip side.